It was cold that winter evening as I ambled down my quiet street. I needed a walk to clear my mind of all the clutter and stress of this season. And it seems to me that every year it gets worse. More obligatory parties, irritated drivers, panicky shoppers, long lines everywhere. I remember a time when I was more expectant, when the reason for all this celebrating meant everything to me. But sadly, this night, my internal monologue was, can we just get this over and done with as soon as possible? Can we get back to normal? And frankly, my cynicism troubled me. And when I'm troubled, I take a walk, even if it's near midnight, even if it's cold, even if there are still things to be done. The hour was late. A light rain was falling. Stray flakes of snow twirled and mingled in. And from windows and trees, the lights of the season sparkled through the heavy mist. They were like stars aching to be beamed brightly on this dreary dark night. And turning up my collar, I pulled my jacket tighter. That kind of cold finds its way through almost any opening. And as I walked, I saw them out of the corner of my eye. Mary... Joseph, the baby Jesus displayed in a wooden stable in someone's front yard. The usual characters were assembled as well. You know, there were shepherds and sheep, a camel and the wise men three. On the stable's roof, a precariously perched angel looked on and was kind of tilting toward the left, and all of them were illuminated by two bright floodlights shining from the grass in front of me. I almost passed them by. They were easy to miss as I've grown accustomed to their presence. They are, after all, available everywhere in all kinds of sizes, in all sorts of stores. They come in ornament size, mantle size, coffee table size, and even yard size. And if they come in a yard size, they come in a box, easy to assemble. But that night, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure why, Something caused me to turn my head. Something was inviting me to, to linger there. So I stopped to look at them for a while as one would look at a painting in a museum. And I must admit, I felt somewhat odd and awkward standing there. After all, grown-ups don't pause and stare at yard manger scenes. But for some reason that night, in that moment, I felt I should be there to witness something to see something, to, to take it in. And so I folded my arms and I looked and looked, striving to be obedient to this mysterious inner nudge. She wore blue. Mary always wears blue. She wore a neatly pressed, clean blue garment. Her face was porcelain and untouchable. She had a fixed expression, pleasant and peaceful. Her fragile hands were folded in prayer, and she gazed adoringly down at her child. She was perfect, this Mary, pristine with moisture glistening on her smooth ceramic face. Joseph, Joseph wore brown. Joseph always wears brown. Brown is a fitting color for a character relegated to the background, for someone who never gets top billing. His eyes appeared vacant, his beard was neatly trimmed, and he was there as he always is, always on the edges. 
He, he can't seem to find his place. Everyone else has something distinctive, you know, wings and crowns, gifts, halos, a shepherd's crook. But Joseph just has, well, brown. Then there was the baby Jesus. His tiny hands were extended and he was obviously the star attraction. A halo encircled his little head, reaching from ear to ear. A clean white fabric was wrapped around him, swaddled, I suppose, swaddled. Yes, isn't that the right word to use at Christmas time? He smiled a very unearthly smile. This manger Jesus always seems very happy, and it doesn't appear that he even needs to be held, nursed, or even cuddled. I won't take the time to describe the others, but you know them well. You probably even know where each is positioned in the stable. The shepherds go over there, and the camels and the sheep, they've got to go further back, further away from the manger. And then the wise men, the three of them, go there, there, and there. You know how it goes. I imagine you too are accustomed to their presence. I remained standing there trying to keep warm and looking at them through the gauzy mist, I pondered. I, I, I couldn't relate to them in any way. They seemed remote, untouchable, just like this season had become for me. And with, with considerable guilt, I, I wondered, well, I don't even like these people. And after that rather abrupt and irreverent thought came to me, I half expected the ground underneath to open up and swallow me whole or a bolt of lightning to descend with a flash and a snap, leaving just a little pile of smoldering ashes that would have used to have been me. I closed my eyes and waited. But it didn't happen. Thankfully, neither the heavens nor the ground opened, so I continued my gaze. But then something happened, something I frankly don't expect you to believe. I heard a noise coming from Mary's direction. It startled me. Who's that, I said, and though her figure didn't move, a soft voice pleaded. This is not me, she cried. This is not real, and her voice broke. Listen to me. Listen. My garment isn't, it isn't clean. And it's not this brilliant shade of blue. It's a blue faded by the dust of a long journey to Bethlehem. It smells of my sweat and the sweat of the mule upon whose back I rode. And my blue is really stained with red, the blood of birth. It's soiled by the dung of a stable floor. And my face, my real face is blemished. I'm a teenage girl. My brow is furrowed from worry. Worry about this baby, about tomorrow. What will Herod do? Will he find us? My eyes, my eyes are red from tears of pain. I am so lonely and afraid. This is my first baby. And my mother isn't here with me. This is not who I am, she said again. I am real. Please let me be real. And her voice trailed off. And her words, both gentle and moving, Read something inside of me so deeply I could barely breathe. And while I was catching my breath, I heard a deeper voice. You're wrong about me too. It was coming from Joseph's direction. 
this is not me, this is not real. Please listen to me, he said firmly. I started to take a step backwards, but his voice riveted me in place. Listen, he said, really listen. I'm not the quiet, simple character you make me out to be. And my eyes are not vacant. Hours ago, they were full of fire as I grabbed the innkeeper's tunic with a tight grip and said, don't you tell me there's not some room somewhere. And he found a place for us. I'm a man with a purpose, to travel where I was told to go and to lead my family safely there. And we made it, and now we are here. And I am still on guard, for we are in danger. And yes, I wear brown, but it's for stealth. I blend in with my surroundings, and from my vantage point, my eyes scan every opening in this place for anyone who might be out to do us harm. And no one will get by me. Let me try let them try. I am the keeper of this light, and I will keep him safe. You're wrong about me. This is not who I am. I am real. Please let me be real. His words soaked into me like the evening's mist. I felt admonished and awakened to something that was deeply true. And then I heard a cry. I looked at Jesus in the wooden manger. He was thrashing about in the hay. He had soiled himself and he looked uncomfortable. His cloth was twisted in his arms and legs. He grimaced from the prickly straw. His face was red. His cry grew louder. It was the cry of a hungry infant. And his toothless mouth opened. And he arched his back and he cried so hard that he ran out of breath. And for a moment it was quiet. But I, but I knew it was just the quiet before he drew another breath and then he wailed so loudly. I expected the lights in the nearby houses to turn on and the neighbors to come running out and I wondered if he too would speak. But he didn't need to. Somehow, somehow his words were in me and I spoke for him. This is not me. This is not real. Please listen to me. The reason I came, the reason I was sent, was to be real. To feel everything you felt. To know everything you need because I needed it too. To hurt like you hurt, cry like you've cried, laugh like you've laughed, skin my knee like you've skinned your knee, and to have my heart broken like your heart has been broken. I came so that one day or one winter's night, when you come face to face with your defeat, your moment of absolute need, you can come to me and say, I know this. Be with me, please, and lead me through it, and I will. This is not me. I am real. Please let me be real. Then there was a silence. A long stillness that hushed the wind and pushed away the noises of the night. In the quiet, I was being given room, room to feel and to consider what I'd just seen and heard. And out of the silence, the truth appeared like stars revealed by parting clouds. Maybe the, maybe, maybe the figures before me weren't real because I had made them that way so they would be predictable and safe, easy to ignore and boxed up boxed up after Christmas, out of sight and out of mind. 
Maybe if Jesus wasn't real, he would be tame and small. Maybe I rendered him untouchable because I was afraid of his touch. I'm sorry, I said. I know this isn't you. I can see it now. You're not the one I've seen you to be. Untouchable, perfect. Something I made rather than someone who made me. You are real. You are true. You are here. I'm so sorry, I said again as my eyes brimmed with tears. The sorrow nudged me to kneel next to a shepherd on the wet grass in front of something so real, so very real. I couldn't even begin to comprehend it. And as I knelt, I became part of the story and the story became part of me and I felt his gentle pardon. Suddenly, everything expanded. This scene, this night, my heart, and I felt real. After a while, I stood and remained there, quietly looking at them as they gazed at me, and I realized something. I liked these people now. And I think, I think they liked me. Shivering, I wondered if Jesus was cold too, so I laid my scarf across his hands and feet, the same hands and feet that I one day would see again. I tucked him in as best as I could. Good night, I said to him, sleep well. You've traveled far. And I stayed behind, beside him for a few minutes, just as I once stayed beside my own newborn sons as they drifted into sleep. Then, a low, regal voice came from one of the wise men. He whispered as if he was aware that Jesus was sleeping. We like you. We're drawn to this place and have journeyed far to come here to see what you have seen and what you have seen in us and what you have seen in him is what this world was waiting for. And from a shepherd standing behind Joseph, I heard another quiet voice. Once you hear the angels sing, you'll never be the same. And if you listen carefully, they're always singing. And then there was quiet. No more voices. No more movement. No more surprises. I sensed it was time to go and I started my walk back to my house. The cold wind and a few flakes of snow urged me along. My pace was slow and thoughtful. This walk had become a journey I didn't want to end. Something had returned to me and I yearned for it to remain. And when I reached the corner of the street, I thought I heard singing and looked back one last time. In the distance, I saw a warm glow coming from a small wooden stable in a yard down the street, sheltering something inside that was older than the stars and bigger than our whole wide world. And it was real. <laughs>